Happy Friday. Football is back. The, the long trip to Cardiff awaits us. Well, we're, we're making our journey, Dan, starting later on today. But um, let's get into some transfer news. Adam Harvey joined by Connor Southwell and Sam Seaman. I suppose the, the most well pertinent point to, to start is the uh, the Chilean link that came out last night. Um, I'll come to you, Connor, on this one. It's a, a 22-year-old by the name of Marcelo, Marcelino Nunes. Uh, he made his Chilean debut as well internationally uh, in September last year as well against Colombia. So he has got a little bit of a profile there and looks like he'll match all the, the Brexit regulations and all those that are needed and, and how to bring a player into, into England. So I'll go over to you and, and just basically saying whereabouts we are with, with that one. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting one. This is um, this is definitely one that that we understand to be on on the cards. Um, sort of varying levels of of how progressed it is, depending on who you're speaking on. So I think in general terms, we'll we'll say that uh, Norwich are working very hard on on bringing uh, Marcelino Nunes into the club, into uh, into that kind of third midfield role that has been vacated by. Um, uh, PLA Smalu. Um and of course we know that they've stepped up their, their South American operations in Brazil probably most head-worthy most headline grabbing worthy there we go if I can speak but they, they've also extended out to, to parts of South America and North America as well including the MLS which is where as I'm sure we'll come on to Ishmael Kone was was uh, was someone of interest as well. So it's clearly an area that they feel they can find exceptional value in, um, and that they can feel feel they can find real talent in, um, and they hope that this will be another example of that. So uh, it, reports in in Chile at the moment are, are talking about. I think it's four million euros, isn't it? A, a deal that, that, that's been agreed. They, they're expecting him to sign um, mid part of next week. Although they do play tomorrow, uh, and he is expected to be involved at this stage. We've heard nothing um, on the contrary to that. So I think they kick off at eleven o'clock. Uh, we'll still be on the road back from Cardiff at that point. So I'd imagine we'll be monitoring it pretty closely. Um, but that's that's where we are. Norwich definitely like him. He's a player of interest. They definitely want to bring him in. Uh, Dean Smith didn't bat it away when we when we put it to him today. So that's probably as close as you're going to get from confirmation from him, I felt. Um, and I think all being well, they're hoping that Marcelino Nunes will be their fourth uh, summer signing in in the day's week ahead. What's the only question you guys have got? Put that in the comments section on whatever platform you're watching. I'll come over to you, Sam. Obviously, uh, I don't know if you've delved onto the highlight reel that I was watching last night. A lot of um, nice little sort of flicks and tricks and it looks like a Real athletic midfielder, which obviously we know that's the sort of midfielder that Dean Smith wants. Obviously, that's why they brought Gabriel Sara to the club. And it feels like Lays Malou, even despite the fact he wanted to play top flight football, maybe didn't fit that athletic athletic bracket that, that Dean Smith likes in a midfielder. So, so have you had a chance to delve into that? And what could he potentially bring in terms of, well, one, positionally, and two, also, just what could he bring to the Championship and Norwich City Football Club? I haven't gone too far into the uh, YouTube highlight reel rabbit hole as of yet, but I've seen... Uh, little bits and I've seen a lot of people talking on social media saw him uh compared to Emi Buendia actually which is always a good sign but you know be careful I think the uh the thing that I noticed is there's a lot of energy um he's only five foot eight so he's not that sort of you know physically he's not very imposing um but it shows you that when Dean Smith talks about sort of athleticism um physicality he's not just talking about players that are massively muscular or, or tall it's also um sort of running stats he's actually spoken a lot about Gabriel Sarah's running stats and, and how impressed they are by those it shows that he's he's not just interested in the sort of the uh the size of players but in you know how long they can go for a, a high percentages of of effort and um sort of you know speed things like that and I think that sort of energy um 
is is what impressed me about seeing the highlight reel. Um, I think those are the sorts of things you have to maybe look for when um, you're watching those sorts of things. But now I'm looking forward to delving into uh, Y Scout, which is the sort of scout scouting platform we have access to, um, and having a, a little bit more of a look because yeah, they'll be they'll be digging far far deeper than than those sort of highlight reels and looking at um, some advanced stats and data that I'm sure we're not even aware of yet. Um, so they're obviously very happy with uh, the possibility of, of bringing him in, and he looks like the sort of the sort of player that will add quality to, to Norwich's midfield and hopefully um, a little bit of creativity, which they've been sorely lacking for a good while now. Just referencing what Dean Smith said this morning, Connor, in terms of Norwich City are delving into those markets where maybe they're a little bit less saturated and maybe other clubs aren't looking. Obviously, we had that link with the Ismail Kone earlier on in the week. But um, in terms of this guy, obviously, a lack of championship experience, is that maybe a concern in terms of Norwich City and, and moving forwards? Obviously, we know that the championship's quite a physical league and notoriously quite difficult in terms of the level of grind just week in, Tuesday, Saturday. Is that maybe a concern or, or do you feel like maybe based on sort of the hearings you've heard that maybe he's got that possibility to adapt to the championship quite quickly I, I don't really see it as a problem if I'm honest I think um, I think of two Chilean midfielders off the top of my head Gary Medell who who did very well in European football and obviously the big one is probably Arturo Vidal um, obviously I'm not, not putting him up to those standards but it shows it can it can be done players can be taken from South America and um, polished into kind of players that can compete on a European stage now that what's interesting uh, around kind of Sara to link that to this is that there's no inclination from Dean Smith that there's going to be kind of a bedding in period like we saw with Emi Buendia, who had come from sort of the second division in Spain, but obviously originally from Argentina. There's no suggestion that actually supporters are going to have to wait a long time before they see Gabriel Sara and it's almost going to be kind of drip fed into him before he can kind of fully adapt to the league. So um, they, they would have done a lot of studies around that. I, I remember speaking to someone last year around their work in the in the South American market. And they said that's probably one of the big imponderables, really. The fact that you're taking someone from, in Sara's case, Sao Paulo, and Nunez's case from Chile, and dropping them into Norfolk, which is a completely different culture, completely different um, football, style of football, intensity of football as well, attention on football. All, all of these things take a little while to get to get their head around, um, possibly. But it, it depends on the character because... You know, as we know in in kind of everyday life, different people adapt to different situations at their own pace. So um, he may, if if of course it, it does get done and he, he does become an Norwich City player, he may come in and uh, and really storm in and and look brilliant. On the flip side, that Sarah may, might take a bit more time. It might be kind of a flip of that, a reverse of that. Both could take time. I mean, it's it's kind of this element that we don't really know about. And um, I mean, in terms of footballing ability, it all looks very positive. I think. Um, I mean, I've kind of been delving into some of those numbers that, that Sam says a little bit this morning. Someone who likes a lot of shots, who who gets stuck in, plays with real intensity, in many ways has quite a similar profile to to Gabriel Sara, which isn't which again is interesting because of the way um Dean Smith is is attempting to set his team up in terms of more athleticism, more sort of kind of um dynamic midfield, a midfield that presses and supports both phases of play. Takes a wicked free kick as well from what I've seen. There's one goal um, which I'm sure is probably, I haven't watched any of the highlight reels because I tend to stay away from them um, just for that reason, because a player is either brilliant or, or, or terrible on them. You can't really um, get any kind of measure on them. But uh, there was one goal in particular where it kind of sets up for him nicely and he hits it on the left foot on the volley, which is just an unbelievable goal. Um, quite similar actually to Tetty's against Sunderland, I think, all those years ago. Um, so that's good. And, and you know, I, I think 
these elements are all going to be really interesting. And that's kind of what's going to be interesting about this South American experiment for Norwich City, because this would be their second recruit from that market. Obviously, they, they want the Kone as well, so it wouldn't have been averse to heading to North America. But if these two come across and do really well and prove that actually that adaptation period can be minimalised, providing you find the right character and put them in the right environment and right setting then actually I think that opens up a whole new market to Norwich City and a whole, well, two really, really whole new continents for them. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be exciting to see what happens if he does arrive and how how quickly he takes to adjust. But I certainly say no issues as to why a player from South America, Chile, Brazil, Sara Nunez can't adapt to the league. Um, it just might take a bit more time than perhaps someone like an Isaac Hayden, for example. Obviously, earlier in the week, Sam, we had the, the link that came through Fabrizio Romano that, that Norwich City were linked to this Canadian midfielder, Kone, was from the MLS. Um, a bit of a, an unknown product, not played many appearances, only I think 16 appearances in, in his professional career, obviously only 20 years of age. Was that maybe one that you saw as a bit of a surprise coming from that region? Obviously, maybe a little bit of lack of experience, particularly you know, coming into the championship, which obviously is typically quite a gruelling league to deal with. Are you maybe disappointed that that deal's maybe not gone ahead? It looks like other sort of clubs have managed to get in ahead of Norwich, or or maybe are you more positive now that this link surfaced, uh, linking to Nunes? Well, you referenced it at the start of your question. I think the fact that it came through Fabrizio Romano probably told you at that point that it wasn't something to get particularly invested in. Obviously, our understanding was that he was a player that they were interesting interested in and pursuing up until very recently um, a, a potential deal for him. But the fact that they've obviously uh, developed things and, and moved on to Nunez as quickly as they have shows you how 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 planned how much they plan ahead in these scenarios and how long their list is and how ready they are to to move on to the next sort of players. So I don't think it's one of those things. I think it's just one of those things which you have to sort of get used to. I'm sure there are a lot of these sort of situations going on behind the scenes, but um, obviously somebody either at Montreal or uh, in Kone's camp fancied maybe a little bit more money than Norwich were willing to pay or a slightly better career move than they could have provided the player and they've chosen the right the right avenue to go for it really because Norwich have ended up being priced out I think the fact that they've um got Nunez close or you know relatively close that's that's as far as I want to commit um to a deal this quickly probably helps them from a PR standpoint um you obviously don't have that big lag of, of fans um building up that criticism of maybe the model and, and City's um, reluctance to to spend significant amounts of money because they've very quickly moved on to somebody else who Norwich fans can now get quickly excited about. I think you raise a good point about the level of MLS and the number of games. It is quite a jump, um, not just from a sort of quality standpoint, because obviously it's worth worth remembering Norwich are in the, the second tier, so it's not like there's a, there would be a huge gulf in quality, but the styles of football, um, if you've ever watched MLS, it's vastly different to, to that of the Championship. So that adaptation maybe would have been a, a slight issue. Um, I see it personally as a, a much smaller gap in um, styles between South American leagues and the Championship. I think a lot of people assume that because it's from a a part of the world where maybe flamboyant or flair players are, are lauded and, and there's a lot come out of there. People assume that they're sort of soft leagues and um, that the, the pace is slow, but they, they can be ferocious at times. Um, the referees are, um, should we say, lenient at best. So um, 
yeah, I think they that's a, a market where Norwich can shop from and be sure that players will be up to the to the physicality. And um, I think it, it probably overall, considering financial package, experience and quality, um, it probably suits them better than the Kone deal, to be honest. Just to just to jump in, Adam, sorry, but um, the only sort of previous example that I can think of, there may be others, is that Middlesbrough signed a player called Martin Pereo last summer from Argentina, um, who did kind of struggle to adapt a little bit. He's now back out on loan to Boca Juniors. Um, so it can show there can be difficulty when you're kind of plucking someone not just out of a different country, but out of a completely different continent and completely different way of life. And I would imagine Norwich have obviously been building up their knowledge of that region, I would imagine, but also probably stepping up their work in terms of providing the environment that these players, these people can step into and feel confident in in kind of going to work every day. So I'm sure they will have done work around and planning around integrating these um, these players into their dressing room and into the championship more generally. So that's a really ex- interesting example of maybe where a South American recruit hasn't worked having come into the championship. I think Norwich City will be hoping to prove, obviously, that they can find a couple that can. And that is why hashtag no circus is, is more, you know, a better phrase than uh, here we go. Paddy Davitt is the man when it comes to transfers incoming. Um, I'll come back to you, Connor, just quickly. Um, I was in terms of incomings, Dean Smith said that Norwich City are, are still looking at certain positions. Obviously, we know this midfield slot has kind of opened up a little bit due to the departure of Pierre Lays Malou. Um, just in terms of those positions, has anything changed in terms of the sort of positions that Norwich City are targeting this summer in terms of incomings, to your knowledge? No, not really. I, I think they would like a winger. Uh, I'm not really sure how they would go about financing that, if I'm completely honest. But then I'm not really con- sure about how they're going about financing Nunez at this stage, given after Sara, it was pretty much put to me that that was essentially the budget gone, not all of it. And obviously that's probably subsequently been topped up by PLA Smalou. Obviously you can be creative around doing things such as borrowing against parachute payments, but Norwich have always been averse to that in the past. There's obviously um, this kind of investment talk in the background as well, shareholding talk in the background as well. So we don't know if that's provided any kind of lift. We don't understand that to be the case at this point. So that's interesting. Um, I I think, to be honest, it, it was interesting today to hear Dean Smith say that Norwich will be uh, Daniel Fark used to say awake a lot would be awake to the end of the window and it was interesting that he kind of repeated that today so I think if something popped up that made financial sense and that was possible then I think they would be willing um, obviously at the moment getting that third midfield option um, is a as in signing third midfield signing is is a priority I think they would like to do something in an attacking area you look at that right side doesn't really feel like there's a natural option there at the moment when you've got Rashica on the left they've obviously got uh, Hernandez in that position Sergeant, um, who else? I, I suppose Todd could play out there. Daniel Sanani could play out there, but they haven't really got anyone that we look at and go, yep, he's an absolute shoe in for that area of the pitch. So I could see them looking in that area. I don't think they'll do a centre back unless uh, maybe Ben Gibson's injury turns out to be significantly worse than they thought, which again, I don't think is the case, or Grant Hanley picked up an injury. So I can't really see them doing anything there. Obviously, we've got the right back situation. Dean Smith's fairly confident that Max Aarons will, will stay. That's the same for Milo Rashica as well, who confirmed there have been no inquiries for so far this summer. But with those two, it feels like for as long as there's a transfer window and it's open, there's going to be speculation and, and kind of talk around those two. So I think they'll probably have to be awake to those. But no, the, the two real ones I see are a central midfield and then possibly a winger if they can, if they can finance it. Um, but beyond that, I don't see them doing too much else, to be honest, unless, as I said, the world's aligned and something pops up that makes financial sense for them. Yeah, it would appear that a lot of the transfer business will be sort of slightly influenced by in terms of the outgoings. Obviously, as you just referenced, Dean Smith pretty much said that 
there's been no bids for Milot Rashica so far. Sam, are you maybe surprised at the lack of kind of interest surrounding players that have in the Norwich City camp already that, you know, there's maybe not been bids put on the table or, or interest that's really been firm from, from other clubs for maybe the likes of Max Ahrens or, or Milo Rashica, the sort of slightly better players maybe naturally in, in that team? Not really, because of two reasons. Um, first is that the market is probably at its least active, um, especially towards the you know, out of the elite clubs at the moment, it's a it's very dry. Um, you know, you look at the, the factors over the last couple of years, the the pandemic obviously had a, an enormous impact and the, the championship is nowhere near a wash of money. You know, you look at in the Premier League last year, um, Norwich spent probably the most they've ever spent in the summer transfer window and were still accused of not giving it a go. Now they come to the championship and they've spent um, less than, I'm thinking less than 20 million, even if, Nunez comes in and uh, they're being accused by some championship fans of buying the league. And that's the chasm between the, you know, the elite clubs and, and the rest, really. And, uh, you know, let's be honest, Milo Rashica and Max Ahrens are two of Norwich's top, most talented players, but they're not going to be attracting the elite clubs. Um, I'd also say it's, it's worth pointing out, not every club is as smart with their recruitment um, and as in-depth and open to maybe alternative opportunities as Norwich are. And uh, for that reason, if they're looking for a more obvious, easy way of, of scouting, they're not going to go looking in a team that's just finished with 22 points for, for gems to add to their team. And I think that's that's definitely relevant. Also, Max Ahrens, um, I'm sure, will will end up achieving quite a lot with his career. Clearly a quality player, very talented, but he didn't have a great season um, last season, in all honesty. And it feels maybe like he's hit a little bit of a plateau. And I think that's why a lot of people were saying he needs to move on from Norwich. But... Unfortunately, that fact means it's going to be diff- more difficult for him to do so. Um, Rashica, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some um, maybe German interest before the end of the window. But um, worth reiterating, Dean Smith did say in his press conference, uh, no offers for, for Rashica. Pretty um, clearly stated that there wasn't too much interest in him at all. So uh, he also spoke up how ready he feels he is to feature for Norwich. So if those two players are um, are committed to to playing in a yellow and green shirt, although I'm sure that will be, uh, as Connor put it earlier, awake to any potential departures. Um, if they're committed to giving their all in a yellow and green shirt, um, then it won't be a problem for Norwich. Um, and they've managed to do some pretty significant business without offloading those players. So uh, I think it may be, although probably not the ideal situation it does work out a little bit for, for all parties if, if they were to remain so yeah we've got a whole month still just over a month still to go in the transfer window so there can be a lot still happening in terms of incomings and outgoings uh, well, that will wrap that up sort of the transfer stuff if you have any transfer related questions just, just drop it in the comments and we'll come around to it towards the end of the show but I'm going to move on to, to the Cardiff game obviously we're making that journey down to a lovely place called Swindon tonight to, to stay in our hotel ahead of the, the trip to Cardiff tomorrow. Um, Connor, how excited are you for this season? Obviously, last season we all know was really, really difficult and quite gruelling towards the end and we all just kind of wanted that season to be over. But has maybe the optimism grown? Obviously, we have got the two new signings in Gabriel Sarah and Isaac Hayden, but both obviously not going to be featuring definitely in the starting eleven tomorrow. Sarah potentially might be involved on the bench. Smith sort of said that that's going to be a late decision on him today. So... How are you sort of approaching this one? Obviously, Cardiff are a little bit of an unknown quantity. Uh, anyone who's on the Pink and Plus app can can go back and watch my Terrace Talk video yesterday with Daniel Bevan, which was really, really insightful. Uh, 13 signings Cardiff have made, so we don't really know exactly how they're going to shape up. But yeah, just optimism, Connor. 
give us some optimism. Are you excited? Oh, you're on mute, mate. <laughs> there we go. I'm that excited. I forgot to unmute myself. Yeah, I am. I am excited, actually, because I think, um, and it's the same with fans, really. Whenever a new season comes around, you, you do think positively about it and, and you think about what it could be. And I've actually written a column on this today. For me, it kind of feels like uh, kind of a bit of an unknown step for Norwich in a league that they've done very well in in the past because there are still a lot of question marks around them and sometimes that can get blown up a little bit more internally and by internally I mean inside Norfolk amongst Norwich fans with us than perhaps externally where people are just saying yeah Norwich are going to win the league again I think actually the reality is probably somewhere between the two um, it's going to be interesting to see how certain things play out Obviously, the, the stylistic thing that we've kind of been, been speaking about all pre-season, um, certain players stepping up, whether someone like Milo Rashica, for example, who was just spoken about, is, is the prime example of a player who should be absolutely tearing the championship up, uh, championship up in terms of pedigree, in terms of quality, in terms of where he's been and what he's done with his career. Um and probably needs to, he's at a stage of his career where he needs to have that season. And no doubt someone someone somewhere will have told him about a certain little Argentine, Argentinian midfielder who did exceptionally well and got a very big move off the back of a stunning championship season. So that that's a possibility. Um, so yeah, I, I am excited. As for tomorrow, uh, I'm going to contradict myself here a little bit slightly and say that I think it's going to be a very tough game, actually. And Dean Smith, I thought, hit the nail on the head today where he said in the Championship, you come up you come up against so many different styles, far more varied than you do in the Premier League. You can play someone like Luton who press you really high and are intense and try and stop you playing out. Or you can play someone like Rotherham who are um, predominantly very low block and want to hit you with more direct balls and have that kind of arm wrestle with you. You can play someone like um, in, uh, Swansea who, who are going to be very possession-based under Russell Martin this year. They're all very extreme examples. You get kind of variations and slight tweaks between those. But as a general rule of thumb, you can be facing one thing, one star one week and another one the next. And I think with this Cardiff team, because of the changes, I'm not really sure what they're going to do or how they're going to play. And I'm sure to an extent, probably Steve Morrison is sat maybe at Cardiff's training ground or uh, at home or whatever, probably thinking the same thing. Because in many ways it may be a good time to play Cardiff because they don't have that, that kind of continuity, that cohesiveness between their side. But by the same token, we know, we know how football works. Sometimes things can click straight away or they can click very quickly initially and then sort of ease off a little bit. But you look at Norwich's record in the championship. I, I was looking earlier. Um, the, the first title winning season under Daniel Farker, they won one of their first six in the second one. They won first one of their first four. They won the title both times. Under Alex Neal in 16-17, they lost once in their opening 12 games. Neal was sacked by March and they finished outside the playoffs. So I, I, it's neither. It, I mean, it shows how much we can read into a, a, a good start. And by start, I'm probably looking at the first 10 games. I think the league begins to take shape a little bit thereafter. Um, but yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I'm really intrigued to see how it all pulls together, how Norwich start, given all of the questions that we've had around playing style and creative void and uh, lack of goal threat, particularly in Scotland, but also throughout pre-season, because actually those things can be completely irrelevant. They can be completely relevant and, and we're going to find out um, very, very soon. So yeah, very excited. Glad that pre-season's out of the way. I think that Hibs game was enough for conclusion for anyone uh, for pre-season to, to look ahead to the real stuff. So yeah, it's going to be good. I, I think um, just finally, my final point, if they can get a win tomorrow, it, it it's not massive in terms of their season because there's obviously going to be 45 games behind that. But in terms of the narrative around the place, 
I'm talking amongst fans and fans' relationships with the team and their perceptions of Dean Smith and some of the players. A win, it feels like, is really important just to turn the page. And I cast my mind back to a couple of years ago where they went to Huddersfield on the opening day and ground out. It was a really ugly 1-0 win, actually. Very un-Daniel Farker-esque. Uh, Adam Eder scored fairly late on. But it just helped turn the page. And even though that was a relatively slow start, it just kind of bought them a little bit of time. So um, that could be really important tomorrow, I think. So if they could just grind something out, that would be brilliant. I personally think it will be a tough game. I can see a draw written all over it, if I'm being honest. Um Let's see. But I don't think it's going to be dull this season, whatever happens. Yeah, I find it interesting. <clears throat> Yesterday, speaking to the Cardiff fans saying that he only really expects maybe two or three players from their last sort of team they uh, fielded from the last game of the season to be in that starting eleven tomorrow. So that is going to be a com- complete refresh. And I said to him, it feels a little bit like that season where Norwich completely refreshed everything under Daniel Farker. And it just felt like it was a, a whole new eleven, and nobody really knew what to expect. And I suppose that's the element of excitement that, that maybe that brings. But he kind of said that last season, you know, towards the end, Cardiff were having to pump it long. They had to kind of stay with that mould that Mick McCarthy had built them at the start of the season, even under Steve, obviously under Steve Morrison then for the, for the second half of the season. But they're going to bring something a little bit different to the party. But in terms of the Norwich City approach for tomorrow, Sam, obviously you've done that piece that's new on our, our Pinker Plus app in terms of the tactics boards, which looks a little bit more into sort of the analytical side of the game and obviously a, a starting eleven. So how do you sort of see Smith um, approaching this game tomorrow in terms of one sort of the lineup, but two kind of the the tactical approach and the formation? Yeah, I think the lineup is fairly easy to predict. I think there's maybe two positions um, in terms of midfield and on the wing that you could discuss. Um, I think the back five is pretty nailed on. Uh, Tim Krul, Max Ahrens, Andrew Mbamadeli, Grant Hanley, and Demetrius Yunulis. If it's if it's not that, I'll be very surprised with the only slightly plausible change being potentially Angus Gunn, but I still see Tim Krul starting. I think midfield is where it's probably most up for debate. And I, I had uh, Kenny McLean at the base with uh, Daniel Sinani and Todd Cantwell as sort of advanced eights. Um, I'm not 100% certain on that at all. Um, I think that there's very much potential for Jakob Sorensen to come in as the the sort of six and Kenny McLean to push alongside Todd Cantwell as, as one of those eights. But um, even more... Um, sort of mysterious for me going into the game is that right wing position. I think Josh Sargent is clearly a player that Dean Smith likes. There are a lot of long balls going into him um, against Celtic um, and his pressing was clearly a, a big strength, but his technical quality is, it's not great. And, you know, you don't, as a footballer, you don't get to that level without having technical quality. So I suggest maybe it's more of a mentality thing, maybe keeping a cool head in the, in the final third and, when in advanced situations, but um, that is a problem. And um, for that reason, I think that position is up for debate. He's obviously got John Rowe. Um, Ono Hernandez was probably the only player to emerge from that Hibernian game with with any sort of credit. So he'd like to be in the mix, I'm sure. So they've got a few options there. Maybe none of them stand out, especially with Milo Rashica pretty much nailed on to be starting on the left. Um, so... I am interested to see where where he goes with those two positions. I'd suggest Todd Cantwell is Todd Cantwell and Kenny McLean are almost dead certs to to start for me. Um, but I think it's that other midfield position and, and on the right. I think tactically, yeah, it's going to be really difficult because um, I was speaking to or you know consulted uh, Birmingham Live journalist Ashley Priest. He, he covered uh, Dean Smith's Aston Villa side, and he sort of spoke about how Smith was almost defined by his his pragmatism and his ability to 
switch depending on the system he was coming up against and he has no idea just like the rest of us what system he's going to be coming up against tomorrow so he's going to have to be proactive with it I think that's a situation where maybe Daniel Farker would have had an advantage because he wanted to do the same thing pretty much every game until the last few of his reign at Carrow Road so um, it's going to be interesting because I think this is an opportunity without being able to to assess what he's coming up against this is probably an opportunity for Norwich fans to see what Dean Smith is going to try and do without all those factors in play this is going to be his footballing ideology pretty much and I'm, I'm excited to find out what that is but um, you'd suggest that in any game in the championship the balance of probability is that Norwich will have more possession so hopefully he's got a couple of tricks up his sleeve to increase that productivity and that creativity um, in the sort of advanced areas because they, they definitely need to improve on that so I think um, yeah his ability to to find ways to to unlock the Cardiff defence and, and get Timu Puki in on goal, that's going to play a, a huge part in whether Norwich can be successful tomorrow or not. The torch, obviously, Norwich are, are a bit slow starters in the championship, but I did look at the stats. I think Norwich have won seven of their last 10 games against Cardiff. So if anyone wants a little bit of optimism, then that's probably a good one to cling on to. Uh, probably glad that we're not playing Fulham on the opening day because uh, I think we'd all been riding an L next to Norwich City's first fixture before we'd even kicked off. Um, we'll just delve into the comments. Any sort of last comments you want to get in will be live for about another five or so minutes. Um, I'll just bring this one up, Connor. Obviously, you put this in our group chat just before we came on, on air. Uh, Adam Eder is in the under-21s team today so does that mean that he will not be making the trip to, to Wales do you do you sort of have any insight on that one or, or do you expect him to still be maybe in amongst that substitutes bench I don't I don't see it I don't see it if, he, if he's playing at this stage on a Friday afternoon I, I don't really see how he's involved unless it's obviously on the bench but with with Hugill and, and Sargent um, fit I, I imagine that affords Adam Eder just a little bit more time to get up to speed obviously uh, Dean Smith said on the Scotland trip that he was about three weeks away so makes sense for him to to be playing in this game um and and getting 60 70 80 90 minutes rather than perhaps 10 that he'd have got a cardiff which isn't particularly beneficial for him at this stage where he is kind of physically so um i don't see him involved tomorrow obviously norwich have the luxury now as to all championship clubs of making five subs in a game um which you know we could get into this this debate and go down the rabbit hole talking about it but on the surface you would say given the depth and quality um, obviously relative to the championship of, of Norwich's squad, that, that provides them with a little bit of an advantage and offers players like Adam Eder, Jordan Hugill as well. I wrote a piece about that earlier in the summer. Probably a bit more of a likelihood to play than it would have if un, under the free sub rule where perhaps you, you were relatively limited in terms of the options you could bring on. But no, I, I don't see him being involved tomorrow. Um, for example, John Rowe isn't playing. I would expect him to to be involved in the squad tomorrow. Uh, Springer is obviously out injured as well, which is the other one that we'd have we'd have been looking for. So, I think you can take for that that he won't be travelling. I actually watched the club have put up a video of training. Uh, you know, one of their training videos before games, and he looks like he's really kind of physically uh, top half physically come on uh, in terms of his development. Looks really powerful and strong now. And we did see glimpses of kind of encouraging hold up play at, uh, at Hibs, but. Even so, I thought he looked quite short in terms of where he was physically, uh, and this will help that. So no, I don't. I don't see him at Cardiff tomorrow. Uh, I think with Hugo, Sargent, and Puki, um, albeit probably Sargent starting on the right, they have enough attacking options there to to go with until Adamida is uh, is back in the fold fully. 
I'll bring up Daniel Wright's comment. Uh, he was quite sort of pleased to see that Smith's words on Rashid to Sam, obviously a man that we all know is, you know, maybe sort of had those glimpses last season, but maybe struggled across the board to, to really make it consistent. But if Norwich can retain him for the championship, is he maybe the star man this season that maybe propel them to to the championship, potentially a promotion or, or maybe a title win again, a little bit in sort of a similar vein to, to what Emi Buendia had done uh, last time out in the championship? Yeah, he's definitely got the quality. Um, you just look at what he achieved in Germany and he's held in enormously high regard um, in those parts and the, the sort of clubs he was linked with. Obviously, Dean Smith wanted to bring him to Aston Villa at one stage. There are also maybe slightly more tenuous links with the likes of Liverpool. And he's achieved a lot at the real the highest level. Um, and it's not like that's completely gone away. As you said, it was nowhere near as consistent as it needed to be, but there were definitely signs of, of that sort of thing. Um in a Norwich shirt last season. And, uh, you know, as far as that parallel to Buendia and his influence in the 2021 campaign, um, he had a pretty inconsistent Premier League season going into that. He scored one goal uh, and, and there was a long wait for that, I remember as well. So maybe if, if he's got the right mentality, which, um, you know, according to Smith, he definitely does. And he's come back, you know, with the right idea in terms of, um, performing in a Norwich shirt, then I think he can absolutely achieve. It's also about the system, and you know, you look at Tamer Pookie and arguably Norwich's best player, um, definitely up there. And he's he struggled during pre season, doesn't look totally right for the system. I think it's a similar situation with uh, Milo Rashica. And um, we actually had a discussion, I don't think it was, it was on camera, but um, Connor referenced the fact that. You've got Rashica on the left who he wants to counter-attack into space. Tamu Puku, he wants to be part of a possession-heavy side and have balls slid through one-on-one. Um, -on -one. And Josh Sargent, who's based on pressing. So there is a little bit of a contradiction there. I don't know if the same side can get the best out of Mila Rashica and Tamu Puku at the same time. But um, I think if one of them's fit and firing to close to 100%, then that's going to be an enormous asset for, for Norwich going going forward. So I think, yeah. I think if the system's around him and he's got the right mentality, as Dean Smith has, has claimed he is, I think he could be a, a huge player. Definitely um, on his day, far too good for the championship based on what he's achieved in his career and what he's done previously. And to round off the show, I'm going to put you two boys on the spot. Um, score prediction for tomorrow. Obviously, you said draw earlier in, in this uh, broadcast, Connor, but are you going to stick with that and what, what you're sort of actually going to put down for a score? I am going to go 1-1. One, one. I think I think Norwich will fall behind and hopefully come back. And I think in many ways, even that would provide a little bit of optimism. Um, but to be honest, I, ju I just think, obviously, Cardiff in, in massive transition. Nobody really knows what to expect. Um, no doubt they're going to have a home crowd who buys into that. Um, kind of fresh start narrative of, of things. Steve Morrison, as we've already spoken about, wants to play a, a more progressive style of play than perhaps they did last year. Going to be interesting to see how Norwich come up against that. But what I think it will do, actually, it's going to be one of those rare games where they're going to play a team who probably wants to enjoy a bit of possession. So I think Norwich might get some joy on the counter, actually, in, uh, on, on this occasion, which might... If we kind of look at, look at pre-season again, how much you want to read into that is up to you. But you look at the Marseille game where they were at their best, a lot of their work was on the counter. So if that's the case, that then maybe, um, maybe Norwich will, will have a better afternoon than perhaps many are expecting. But I, I can just see two teams, very early days, cancelling each other out um, and it ending with a 1-1 draw. That's that's kind of what, what I think. But uh, fingers crossed it'll be a bit more positive and maybe a 2-1 win for Norwich and they can snatch a winner. I'll throw over to you, Sam. Same, same question. 
Yeah, I think I've said uh, one all on on previous recordings. So uh, poor from Connor there, stealing that. You want to be a bit more original, Sam? Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I just can't see past a very average attritional championship battle at this stage um, in terms of the the stages that both clubs are at. Obviously, Cardiff in transition, Norwich maybe slightly more sure of what they are, but coming off a relegation, absolutely zero momentum behind that club at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I struggle to see them working up a, an incredible uh, fixture that's going to be remembered for decades, as is usually the, the case on opening day but yeah i can't see i can't see norwich losing um i also can't see them winning really uh, also i'm i'm there we're all there so it's bound to be drab which is you know that's 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 always sort of been my rule um as somebody that hasn't attended matches too often um as somebody that's now going to be covering them week in week out sometimes twice a week it's going to be a very dull season um, based on my predictions and, and what they're going to be. But yeah, no, I, I can't see beyond a, an extremely championship affair and I'm going to have to go for one all as well. Although, let it be on the record that you go back, listen to the, the Pinkham podcast. I think I went for one all, uh, maybe even a couple of days ago. So, there we are. Adam, what are you going with? You know, I'm going to bring a bit of positivity so the fans will come back and no. watch us because you two, are, it's far too negative. I'm going to buck the trend and say uh, a grind out of 1-0 win is going to be exactly the same as that Huddersfield opener a few years back. Norwich City are going to strike late and it's going to be a Grant Hanley header from a corner. So you heard Incredible it. optimism. Grinding oh, out a 1-0 with a Grant Hanley header. That's exactly the, you know, the sort of optimism that we we'll need. We'll take it. Time. We're not being fussy. We'll <laughs> yeah. take it. I think that'll do. That'll round up... Uh, this uh, broadcast, thanks for joining us. Obviously, lots of really, really great content across the, the Pinkin and Pinkin Plus app at the moment. Obviously, Sam's got his tactical video up there. That's well worth a watch tonight ahead of uh, this big trip to Cardiff. Uh, I'd done the preview yesterday with the Cardiff City fan. Obviously, we've got the Dean Smith press conference from today. Um, if you haven't got to see all of this broadcast, it's well worth going back. Obviously, we've discussed all the, the transfer-related lines as well and lots of really great content uh, coming, obviously, as well, because us three will all be at the... Cardiff City Stadium tomorrow. No Paddy this week. Uh, he's on his holiday, so uh, I'm sure he's deserving a much, you know, much deserved break. So um, fingers crossed that Norwich City can grind out a win. And if they do, then we're blaming Paddy, and he's never allowed back. So um, thank you for joining us. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Friday. If you're travelling down to Cardiff tomorrow, obviously have a safe tr- trip down there. Obviously it's a, a long old journey, and um, fingers crossed Norwich City can, can bring home three points. <laughs>